Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome. Okay, we have got a great show ahead for you today with New York Times bestselling author, Terry Blackstock. And she'll be joining our show in just a few moments. But before we get to that, which we are so excited, and I know, Patty, you just finished reading her book this weekend, and... Um, Oh, anyway, we, I, we won't give away too much because we are just really excited <laughs> to have her on later. But before we get too far into our show, we just want to remind you that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty White and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, this morning, Lisa and I have been chatting away because... We recently were asked to share some leadership tips on effectively leading a discussion in small group settings or um, different Bible studies or life groups. And that caused all kinds of uh, stories that started, you know, swelling up in our brains. And uh, we we were laughing at uh, going back to our epic fails of when we've been leading. And one of them. Are we, we were, really going to confess all this? <laughs> yeah, because it's, you know, we have learned so much from it because what, what's funny about this particular particular conference that we were training is that we knew better and yet even knowing and teaching and sharing our stories we we sat there with that deer in the headlight look going what are we gonna do in this situation so even though you know better you still have to keep being refreshed on, okay, you know, note to self, don't let that ever happen again. But in this particular workshop, we probably had like 30, yeah, about 30 women there. And we thought just real quick, we'll go around the room and share, you know, your ministry, basically just like a two second, you know, go around and let everybody know who, who basically is in the room so we can network, etc. And we get about halfway through the room and we're doing really well. People are literally taking 30 seconds and just stating their name and their, their ministry. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, it gets to this one beautiful woman and she starts sharing not only her name and her ministry, but her struggles in life. And she unpacked this just horrific tragedy that had take, had taken place in her life and then start the tears started flowing and the tears even started coming out in some of the other women that were there in the workshop. And you were on one side of the room. I was on the other side of the room and you couldn't really look at each other without it being so obvious, but we would do these stolen glances across the room with that panic of, are you going to get her to stop talking or am I going to get her to stop talking? Because your heart broke for this woman but on the other hand, we were in that place of this isn't the time, uh, obviously, but, you know, these women had 
paid a substantial amount of money to be at this conference for the whole weekend. And we didn't want this to be a therapy session. Well, and but- it was so hard because we, we hadn't even gotten into what we were supposed to talk about the workshop. And like you said, this woman was going into this very intense, broken story and she's sobbing. And I, I remember I, you know, we're both are having those conversations to ourselves going, how do we interrupt this? to keep it moving because it, like you said, it became almost a personal therapy where she just needed to release and she was just going and she wasn't breathing. And so it literally was, what are we going to do here? And it was like, she was not even aware of what she was doing in her surroundings. And like, this is not the setting to be doing this. And, and I just remember, you know, she basically hijacked our workshop. Yeah. which we allowed. But I, at the same time, it's like, I remember both of us afterwards were like, what was that? And <laughs> how do we, cause you, you, your heart broke for her, but it's like, at the same time, this is not her personal workshop, you know? And so, exactly. but I think we all find ourselves in those situations going, okay, we have a talker here. <laughs> very and, detailed. Yes. Very and a very detailed talker. Yeah. And how do you handle that? And you're almost in shock. Because it's like, is this really happening right now? And what do I do? Because here you're going, okay, if I interrupt her, it's not just about her. It's like, how is it going to be perceived from everybody else? Like, you you don't care or you're being really insensitive. And then you don't want to totally wound her where she goes, I am never sharing my story again because I got shut down. Yeah. It's so hard. And one thing about what we have noticed when people are wounded, when it's still fresh or it's their first time they're sharing, um, it is such a, a pivotal point in their life. And you could tell she had all of the above. It was like her first time sharing it. It seemed like she was highly wounded where all the stuff had just recently come up to the surface. So you were really walking on, on pins and needles. And I know you and I both afterwards, we said, we were just standing there praying, going, okay, God, we are begging you, give us wisdom, give us discernment. How do we deal with this? Because, um, everybody's kind of watching you too, to see how you're going to respond in this. And I, and I will say we didn't respond. (laughs) Well, not respond. Yeah, or not respond. And finally, uh, I I believe that I did cut her off and we were able to finish the workshop. But I want to say she took easily 30 minutes. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Every bit of that and more. Yeah. And, And I think she also realized she had an audience, you know, a sympathetic audience in some degree. But also, you know, it's it's it was one of those uh you could feel kind of the the tension in the room because it's like you, your heart broke for her, but at the same time we're here for a reason to all learn together on this yeah. other thing, you know? So it's like yeah. keeping true to that. And those are those situations that whenever you're leading, it's not, you know, if I have that, it's like when it does and how do I handle that? How do I handle somebody that is going to, you know, starting to dominate the room? How do you handle that? That's a very delicate, um, that's a very delicate situation and how you handle that and lead through it. Like you said, it's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to be in the midst of that and going, what is the appropriate behavior here and response? And be sensitive to what this wounded person is, is sharing. Well, you know, now we know 
that even though we knew then <laughs> we didn't yeah. follow up on what we knew, it's that whole thing. You don't know what you know until you know, but if you do know, you better do something about it. And yet we didn't, but yes. we could have, you know, walked over, put our hand on her shoulder and said, you know, or even two of the gals just, Hey, could you go out and, um, let's, let's pray with her. Uh, obviously you're struggling through this. Let's make sure we can help you and guide you through this, this struggle and removed her out of the room, especially when you have two people in a workshop, that just sounds like such an easy solution, although it wasn't at the time. Um, and if you, if it's just one of you, you can, you know, same thing, go over there and obviously you're hurting and let's, let's pray with you and pray right then just a two minute prayer. And then just say, do you mind walking out with her and, and getting someone that, you know, maybe in the workshop that would feel comfortable Mm and going out and listening to her. And that's even touchy because everybody in the workshop is paying as well. So it's like, why do I have to miss the workshop? Yeah. <laughs> to go counsel, you know? And so you're, you're hoping you're praying for discernment that you're picking the right person to go out there and, and pray with her because you can't just put this wounded person out to pasture. Yes. Yes. Well, and okay. So let's, let's just keep moving because we're talking a little bit about, you know, the communication and, and with leadership and, you know, how do you guide a conversation and guide people as you listen, because it's like it's hard sometimes to listen and then start formatting what you're going to say and do where you're giving them their full, you know, your full attention and they're being able to read you that you're engaged with me. So what are some things, you know, that you would that we want, you know, that you would advise people on that? Some tips and tricks since yeah. we offer tips and tricks. Yes. Um, well, I know you and I, I when I get to be the interviewer here, with you. <laughs> these are just like magic phrases to just have in your arsenal. So when situations come up, let's say um, when you're talking with someone and you all of a sudden they get combative where they maybe it's something that you're teaching from, you know, scripture and they have a different point of view and out of nowhere kind of throws you because they get, it turns No one into, would do that, would they? <laughs> you would think, right? But it gets into this, you know, conflicting moment where all of a sudden it's gotten combative to step back because once again, people are looking to you as a leader. And in, in our culture, we, and, and I know especially me, we have a tendency to want to win the argument rather than stepping back and going, okay, what's the best solution here? How am I going to benefit not only this person, but everybody in the room to be more like Jesus and to represent Jesus rather than I'm going to win this argument because I'm right and you're wrong. So instead of hitting that fight or flight where you either want to, you know, run from the situation or you're going to take it on, ask yourself the right questions, which means asking that person the right questions. Um, and it, going back to the magic phrases, one of them is that's interesting. So let's say someone, an example would be, you're not listening to me. Like you, you're not even hearing what I'm saying because scripture mm-hmm. says yada, yada, yada. That's interesting. Um, w- you know, why would you say that? Or what made you think that? Or why would you do that? Or tell me more. But basically you're leaning into them and you're in that I'm actively listening to what you're saying. Especially mm-hmm. 
when they just got done telling you, you're not listening. Because I know my initial reaction being the baby of six kids, if someone says that, I'm going to go, what are you talking about? I'm listening to you. And I want to get into an argumentative, um, like you're challenge wrong. It. You want to challenge it. Yes. It's like, what do you yeah. mean I'm not listening to you? That's my first yes. reaction. It's like, I so hear what you're saying, but you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me and, tell and, you. And that is, you know, because we get so emotionally engaged with it too. And, 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 and we get defensive with it. And that's kind of sometimes our, our natural default. Well, we're going we're gonna to pause there. We're going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back with author Terry Blackstock, who we're so excited. Stay with us. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's words you never heard. An article in Mental Floss magazine listed some actual town names in the United Kingdom that are sure to bring a chuckle to American tourists. Would you like to live in the village of Upton Snodsbury? It's near North Piddle. How about Pickle Church in lovely South Gloucestershire? Or Barton and the Beans in Curry Mallet. How about a vacation in Mudford Sock? Or Puddletown, an adorably named spot in Dorset? But my favorite town is found in Buckinghamshire. It's called Lover Houses. I'd like to send a big thank you to all of the brave men and women of our armed forces serving at home and abroad. We appreciate all the good you do in the world on behalf of America. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome. We have been sharing some tips on how to lead leaders and small groups and life group leaders and uh, just laughing because now that we've shared these magic phrases, I immediately started realizing all I'm going to hear from Lisa now is, that's interesting, Patty. Tell me more. Exactly. So <laughs> it's it's kind of like saying, bless your soul, I think, is what I'm going to get from you. Oh, bless Lisa. your heart. Yes, your heart. Yes. Well, we are so so excited. We are joined now by Terry Blackstock, 
who is a New York Times bestselling author of titles such as Intervention, Vicious Cycle, and Downfall. In her 30-year career as a novelist, she has sold 7 million copies worldwide. In 1994, Terry was writing secular romance novels under two pseudonyms when a spiritual awakening prompted her to switch gears. Her newly awakened faith wove its way into the tapestry of her popular suspense novels, offering hope instead of despair. So welcome, Terry. How are you today? I'm great. It's good to good to be with you guys. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you. I, I have to tell you, I literally just finished your last book, uh, I Run, and uh, it was one of those things. I I, <laughs> I have to tell you, my family does not thank you because we were actually <laughs> we were away up north, and it was this beautiful weather. And my daughter had uh, she's graduating from college next month. And we were meeting her her boyfriend, and so he drove all the way two hours to you know come up and meet us. And they got the the ping pong table out into the garage, and they were doing a whole family gathering out there. And my husband, highly competitive, was um, really you know bringing on sport with this new boyfriend that we're all being introduced to. And he said, you know, you think I'm competitive. Wait till Kaylee's mom comes out here to play. So they were all yelling for me. I was upstairs reading your book. Aww. And I'm like, mom, come down here. Play, play pong. You know, we want, and he wants to challenge you. And I was like, I will. Give me five minutes. And I, I said five minutes until they quit playing ping pong because I Aww. was in the last, the last few chapters of your book. And I, I didn't want to put it down. So the next well, day. Well, thank you. I, I love to hear that. I try to try to keep people up all night if I can. <laughs> you did a good job. Like I said, you probably separated an entire family. But oh. you know. Well, you'll be better for it. That's just what I tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to tell them what was going on in, in the in the storyline so they would, you know, give me some grace, but uh they'll just have to read it, right? Right. Well, I gotta ask you, um, I always am fascinated with authors when you here you are, you're writing these suspenseful plots and you all of a sudden you go, Okay, instead of entertaining through like, you know, what you said when you had this awakening, um, you want to offer hope instead of despair. So what, what took place? What were the elements that led up to really sharing Christ in your books? Yeah. And the well, well, I was a Christian when I went into the secular market, but I was kind of a, an immature Christian. And I told myself that I was going to write clean love stories, but you know, those didn't sell that well. And so, you know, people, my friends who had gone in at the same time were putting a little more sex and profanity in their books and, you know, more graphic elements, and they were selling better. And, you know, I just started making little compromises, tiny little compromises that, you know, grew. And over time, there were lots of compromises. And, um, Eventually, it really took its toll on my life because, you know, I felt myself just drifting farther and farther from Christ and really couldn't, um, you know, by the time I had been writing for 13 years in that market and had 32 titles, um, you know, I really felt that it had taken a toll on me spiritually 
and I went through a divorce and I and part of the you know the divorce partially was because of how my spiritual life had suffered and um a couple of years later I met my current husband who I've been married to for 23 years now and um we went through some rocky stuff but eventually he came to a place where he really gave his life to Christ and I started to come along with him, you know, and I I began to realize that God had gifted me for uh, so much more than what I was using my gift for, and I just got down on my knees and repented and said, I don't want to write anything else that doesn't glorify you, and um, from that moment on, he sort of took me by the hand and led me into the Christian market where I'm able to, you know, really give hope. Mm -hmm. And encourage people, which is really important to me. Mm-hmm. So how's that, you know, kind of having a, you know, just a kind of a switch in your values. And I like when you said little, little compromises. Yeah. Think, you know, a lot of times we are guilty of that. We go, this is just a little thing, a little tweak, just it won't make much of a difference. And before right. you know, you've gone down a whole different path. Exactly. And so when you made that, when you made that decision, I'm going to switch. I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm going to be this. Did that even um, energize your writing? Or did that Absolutely, yeah. Into your writing? Oh, I can't tell you. I mean, it was it was just like stepping out of one skin. You know, a heavy. It you know, it's kind of how Paul talked about you know the the old man. You know, mm-hmm. our our old dead body is kind of still with us. You know, and we it was kind of like unzipping and just stepping out of that and and losing all that. Um, that heavy uh, past, really, and and from then on, I was I decided I was going to write suspense because that's what I was reading. I was reading back then. I was reading John Grisham and Mary Higgins Clark, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if if I could inject a faith message into a book like that that's suspenseful and, you know, a page-turner and keeps people up all night and, um, you know, but also has a, you know, a faith message and Christian characters and and truly addresses that dimension that is left out of so many stories, Mm -hmm. and that's the soul, Mm. you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the soul is a part of our lives, and... um, so that's what I started doing in it, and it's uh, I've been doing it ever since for over twenty years now. Mm. Wow! Uh, wow! That- well, I'm sorry, Lisa. One thing I, I thought was so so interesting in, in the books that you, you've written is you create Christians and you give the devil's advocate. So here you are, and you have one really strong you know, godly person that's going to the Lord in very subtle ways, which I love that it's not, you know, it doesn't get really preachy. And, um, so, so you, you're confident to give your books to your, um, friends that maybe are cynical or skeptical yeah. about Christianity where it's like, Oh man, you've got to read this book. And, um, so you're getting two sides of it. You're getting, you put, yeah exactly what they're feeling the cynical well my character my character and if i run is an unbeliever and i wanted her to to be that because she's a fugitive and she winds up breaking a lot of laws and you know doing some things 
in order to hide and save her life. Um, but then I have a, a character who's chasing her, um, who is a strong Christian, but he's a damaged Christian. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I try to present both sides and really couch it in a message that people don't, hopefully don't even, it doesn't jump out at them as a message. But I want it to, you know, impact their hearts. I want it to really uh, emotionally challenge them and, um, you know, at the same time give them a story that keeps them reading, you know, so so they miss their ping-pong games. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I, I ask you a question. When you're talking about your character and character development and, and you know, you're trying to, to cast vision of hope and without being cheesy, which you're, you're not, and through these characters, how do these characters um, affect you personally as you're developing them and as you're seeing them and taking them on? Do you find that when you get done writing a particular book, that you're like, wow, this is what I've learned, or I have, yes. I've learned so much in this process and from this character. Is Absolutely. That you? you know, I often, when God is dealing with me in a certain way in my life, um, I often will put that in the book and have my character go through that, and I don't have the answer when I start writing. And I may not have it by the end of the book, but I can at least you know, put out those things that my readers might be going through as well. Um, you know, years ago I wrote um, uh, several books, really, that um, when while I was going through um, my daughter's drug addiction. And the, the way that wove itself into my books that I was writing then, even the ones that had nothing to do with drugs, um, it, it was... It came from a place of my questioning God and my um, grappling with Him and wrestling with Him and begging Him for answers, you know. And I remember when I wrote the book Dawn's Light uh, from the Restoration series, it was about why God sometimes doesn't answer prayer or why it seems He doesn't. And, and you know, I was at a place where I was wondering that myself, you know. I was asking God to give me answers about that, um, to show me what I didn't understand. And so, you know, those things work their way in, into my books. And I think, you know, they they help readers because, you know, a lot of my readers are going through those things at the, at the very time that they read the books. Mm-hmm. Well, and it makes it, your books and your characters are so relatable to people because you're talking about, you know, damaged and, and broken. And, and that's, yeah. you know, that's unfortunately very normal, you know. If you, if that's you, right. You know. And, and, and people want to know, like, okay, somebody else gets it or understands these feelings. And I know when I read a book so many times and, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. How did they, they're in my head, you know, the author's right. in my head and, and related to me. And it's, it's powerful because it really does resonate within your soul and it just gets at that um well terry we're going to take a quick break love this conversation we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about you know your books your writing the process what you're learning and we'll take a break right now be right back
This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's words you never heard. Harvey McKay, author of the best-selling book, Use Your Head to Get Your Foot in the Door, includes job search secrets no one else will tell you. Harvey is a true ideopraxist. That's a person who puts ideas into practice. Harvey admits landing the right job can be more difficult than the job itself. And successful people can't have ponophobia. That's the fear of work. But in these economic times, it can be a necessity to make money any way you can. What's a word for using any means to make money? Homo de quinquais. So what's the best job to have? Will Rogers once said, the best job in the country is the vice president. All he has to do is get up every day and ask, how is the president? It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we have been chatting with Terry Blackstock, who is a New York Times bestselling author of titles such as Intervention, Vicious Cycle, and Downfall. In her 30-year career as a novelist, she has sold 7 million copies worldwide. And Terry, I have to tell you, I have so many questions for you from the, just the last part of the last segment there. And, uh, and I want to like be an interview, just hoard all my questions before Lisa gets any of them in. So, <laughs> so basically I'm saying, pay attention to me. Okay. Don't listen to what she has okay. to say. So I, I'm going to ask you a few, and you can figure out like which one you're going to go with. But you had mentioned a few things, and I, and I loved it when you were talking about you might not even have the answer as you're writing because that right. goes against every rule. You know, when you take these creative writing courses, they're like, you know, start start with the end in mind. Like that's so good yeah. to be able to write the end of your chapter and then kind of work yourself backwards. So I love that. You're just truly being moved by the spirit and you're going through going, I don't know really how, where this is going. Well, that's, you know, um, I really do outline meticulously in terms of the, the story, but you know, I the 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 faith based part of it is what I don't know how I'm going to answer that. You know, so it's kind of it's twofold. It's kind of um, I, I'm a meticulous outliner, but I still leave that part open so that I can, you know, just see where God takes me in that, you know, in that message. Hmm. Well, I, I I love that and. Another thing that you 
said was your your daughter as she was going through um, the drug situation. So how is your daughter? And what was the time frame here when you were going through all this? Because we hear so often from our listeners just really struggling with, you know, raising their children and dealing yeah. with just the issues in our culture with, you know, drugs and so many, um, like you said, we're just, we're broken. So how is your daughter? Well, she's doing really well today, and uh, she's a mom, and, and um, I have a three-year-old grandson, and um, we're, we're enjoying where she is today. But um, she was going through this really over probably the last 15 years. Um, you know, we've dealt with it off and on because, as anybody who's dealt with an addict understands, it's not, there's not a place where you can say, well, it's, she's cured now you know it's it's up and down and and she she's relapsed and she's gone back and you know she's just had a hard struggle but um you know god has been with us through the whole thing and and my intervention series uh came right out of that um because we had interventions in our family and um that whole series uh starting with the first book intervention uh came from, you know, some things that had happened in our family. And, and of course, you know, there was a murder in the book. And, and uh, the you know, the daughter disappears. And none of that happened with us. But, you know, I, as, I, as I go to, through things like that, I, I'm often looking at them as a writer and saying, oh, you know, what if this happened? <laughs> you know, um, I remember putting her on a plane with an interventionist who was taking her to treatment. And I thought, what if something terrible happens? What if she vanishes? What if she, you know, something goes wrong? And that's where the book Intervention came from. So, um, but, and I was going through that during the Restoration series. And, um, you know, some of the other books I've written since then, um, you know, were really hearts, heart, my heart crying out for, um, for God's intervention and for his help. And and realizing that other people were going through that too, and they needed they needed their story told. Mm-hmm. Well, so how old was your daughter when you found out that she was even in this drug situation? She was actually about twenty one. Um, you know, we didn't have any problems with her growing up, and. Um, through high school, she was, you know, very a leader in her youth group and, um, you know, just very, had lots of friends and, you know, people really liked her. And, you know, we never had any big issues with her until she went off to college. And, um, you know, I think that's important for people to know because when we think of drug addicts, we think of, um people who've been, you know, had horrible backgrounds or who've been abused or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, this was a middle-class family, you know, that went to the church every time the doors opened, you know, and had her very involved. And, um, you know, she was a Christian. And you just didn't see that coming. It was just out of nowhere. And... um you know, it, it took a long time for us to get past that point of saying, how in the world did this happen to us, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, with that, and, and it makes me want to go back and, and read your other book as you were going through this with your daughter. I know in your main character for your newest book, If I Run, uh, Casey contemplates taking her life. And were there thoughts that you had there that what if my daughter takes her life that you were implementing yeah. into this book as well? Sure. I mean, you know, that was always a concern because she would struggle so. And, um, and, and the, you know, more pressing was what if she overdoses, you know, and, or what if something terrible happens to her while she's using? Um, and, you know, those are the fears that every parent of a, an, an addict go through. Um, in this book, you know, I really, I think I had gotten beyond um, her situation, and I really, you know, Casey discovers her best friend dead, and she believes that um, she's been set up. Um, her DNA is all over the crime scene, and she thinks that if she's caught, she will not only go to prison, she probably won't make it to prison because she's going to be murdered. And instead of doing what normal people would do, she takes off and runs. And, um, you know, when I got her to that point, I thought, what would I do if I were in Casey's shoes? How would I feel? And I thought, if I had to leave everybody I love and know that I may never see them again, I might be to the point of being suicidal. So I had to take Casey to that point, and she kind of goes through that in her mind and and pictures what her family would be like if she did that and how her how they would suffer and what it would look like at the funeral. And she realizes that she can't put her family through that kind of pain, um, that she'd rather take the pain than make them take it. And, um, you know, I had to have her touch on that. And then I had, you know, I have Dylan kind of going through that, too. He's a PTSD victim. And... Um, you know, he struggles with that as well because he's damaged and he's lost a lot. Um, but, yeah, having lived through times like that, that we've lived through, um, I, I do know what it feels like to go through those thoughts and those fears and, and kind of work through it in your mind. Mm. So with this new book and these characters and all that, you know, you're kind of developing and, and leading to what is it? that you really are hoping that the, that the reader walks away with besides missing ping pong games? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I just really, I want, for one thing, I want people to get inside Casey's head as an unbliever and see how ludicrous some of our um, traditions seem to people who weren't raised in the church. <laughs> You know, some of the things that we say, some of our little, our cliches, you know, don't make sense to them. And I want to, as I go through this series, which is going to be three books, I really want people to understand that without an anchor of faith and without the Holy Spirit, an unbeliever has no chance of cleaning up her act, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and so we shouldn't be shocked when people act the way they do, um, because, you know, it's not about changing your behavior to be a Christian. It's, it's about having the Holy Spirit uh, come along and, and sort of peel away those 
layers, you know, that that need to be peeled away. Mm-hmm. There is so much to learn. And, and, you know, and as we know, like through stories and God has gifted you um, so much in, in the art of storytelling. And re- like you said earlier, being able to get to the soul and touch the soul and, you know, not just it's not just entertainment, though, it's highly entertaining, as Patty discovered. Um, but it, it is really, okay, how can, I, how can I be a better person as a result of reading this book and understanding myself yeah. better? And that is such a journey we all need to go on. Is like, how do I continually, you know, evolve in my understanding of who I am and who God is? And, you know, just it's all of that. There's so many layers to, you know, of learning here. Well, we just yeah. have a couple of minutes, Terry, before we have to say goodbye. And again, Patty and I want to thank you so much because we, we know you're incredibly busy and to take time out of your writing and to, to kind of pause to join our show. We have been, you know, just honored to, ha- to have you. And I got to tell you, our sound engineer, she also um, works at a library and she said, your, your books are one of the most popular ones that are checked out. So just, oh, that. that's that, great. That's encouraging. Yeah. So you have, you have fans on many levels all over the place. Um, what is it? How could our, our listeners, um, you know, find more about you and what is it you want to leave with our, with our listeners before you go? Uh, they can find me at terryblackstock.com or on Facebook. I'm T Blackstock and Twitter, Terry Blackstock. And today for those listening live, um, my book is as an ebook, it's, it's discounted to two ninety nine wow. for just a few days. So if they, if they want to jump on it as an ebook, um, today is a, an excellent day to do that. <laughs> that. That is. That's a that's a great, <laughs> a great thing. It's, okay, yeah. so anything you want uh, our listeners just to know about this book and about you, um, insight, encouragement. Yeah, I just um, I think they will really relate to Casey and and her struggles, and also to Dylan, who I love in the book. But, um, you know, I want them to know that there are two more books in the series, and I'm, uh, the next book is If, I, if I'm Found, um, and the third book will be If I Live. So, um, and I'm working on those books now and, and uh, trying to get those out as soon as, I, soon as we can. Well, intriguing titles and intriguing, and you've been delightful. Thank you for joining our show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's Virgin Network. 
Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, has eclipsed the annual gross domestic product of 10 countries. Officially the highest grossing movie of all time. Did you know that Ewoks speak a combination of Tibetan and Nepalese? Harrison Ford, the rocket jock, complained that when flying the Millennium Falcon, the cockpit switches wouldn't stay in place when he flipped them. So the set designers for The Force Awakens made sure there were new cockpit switches for Han Solo's iconic ship. I thought it was interesting that the lightsaber noise was created from the familiar hum of an old television. Do you think you can tell a lot about somebody based on what color lightsaber they have? Why did the angry Jedi cross the road? To get to the dark side? Maybe? It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We have had a great conversation with Terry Blackstock. And as you know, Lisa, I love her as an author. I love her books. And um, that was so fun to be able to get some insight and get into her world a little bit. I especially didn't know about her um, daughter. And it's always amazing, you know, so many times you, you look at different authors or different speakers in your life and you truly just forget that they do have a personal life that could be in total chaos or whatever. You just assume everyone's just going through life and they're there for your benefit to entertain you with their books or with their speaking. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's always interesting. Well, we, we started out the beginning of the show talking about tips for um, those of you who are leaders out there and, and just kind of narrowing it down to tips in small groups, Bible studies, uh, how do you deal with those situations, um, basically how to be proactive. And uh, one of the things that we, we, of course, we were going into all of our stories, but to be proactive in those situations is to ask yourself, um, what is likely to happen and react to it before it it happens. And one time we were doing a conference. This was at the very beginning. We, is this going to be a good story or, or not so good? Well, um, it, it doesn't put either of us in a bad light. So I guess. It's okay, be, good. Okay. Good I'm okay. Because the first story. one we shared in the first segment didn't put us in a great light. So that wasn't a good story. <laughs> well, this is, this is when we were, we were newlyweds basically. And we were just doing our, our first conference and you had asked uh, a friend of yours who was an amazing speaker, a keynote speaker to come speak. And she said something that it's, you know, it's one of those things that you, you really don't think about. And then when someone says it, it makes such an impact and you go, okay, why did I pick up on something and you picked up on something else mm-hmm. when they, you know, they each have an impact. Um, but she said, when you are speaking to people, be it a, a group of one, I guess that's not a group, right? A group of well, two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> If you're listening, you, you, you're now a group, right? Yes, yes. Or, you know, the thousands, you know, that you're speaking in front of, how you view them is how you're going to speak to them. And I guess I never really thought of that, of if you're looking at 
this group of people and you go, man, you, you guys are broken and messed up, then that is truly how you're, how you're seeing them is how you're speaking to them mm-hmm. rather than being proactive and asking yourself, you know, what's the big picture here that this is just a group of amazing people that, that God created and their potential is they're going to hit it out of the park. Then you see them differently. You're speaking to them as if every single one of them is going to hit it out of the park. And I I remember since then, let me just do all the remembering here. Okay. Go for it. (laughs) Since then. I remember when. Yes, once upon a time. <laughs> well, we went to another church, you know, soon after that. And I think they were called like wild women of the word or, or something. And so we were already seeing them with this amazing potential. And when we got there, um, I think our perspective changed a little bit by the group. Like, first of all, no one really showed up. They were expecting a big group and we didn't really have very many, you know, show up and they brought their knitting to listen to us speak. And so we, we were not as, you know, fully engaged as these guys are going to hit it out of the park. But then they started talking about what they were doing. And boy, did God put us in line because they were hitting it out of the park. They were doing Mm -hmm. amazing, crazy things. Mm -hmm. So it's just rather than um, you know, being reactive and, in you know, maybe looking at a group and going, yeah, these guys really aren't going to do a whole lot with, you know, they're not going to activate or apply what we're saying. And you never know. You just never know what God's going to do with the words he gives you. It kind of goes to that phrase. Don't judge a book by its cover, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Since we just spoke to an author. Um, did you like that tie in there? Um, I you know, it is so easy, like you said, to look at something and and assess it and and make you know early conclusions that a lot of times are not right. And you, when you when you start getting into it, you're like, okay, I had no idea. And um, you know, God kind of silences us, you know, um, and it puts us in our place. And, and it is so interesting because you never know, and you never know really what's going on beyond and what's you know the invisible part of it. And we just are so quick to make judgment calls mm-hmm. on people and situations without really understanding a broader picture there. And, um, and I think that's a, that's a big, that's a big tip to go, okay, you, you need to listen um, kind of beyond and, and, and look and see what are you really seeing? Not just looking at um, when you're doing some of this leadership and, and looking at people and assessing it. Yeah, and and like you said, assessing there was there was a couple things that we had uh, talked about earlier, and and I was teasing you because when you're assessing, you really lean in, and I and that's how we started at the beginning with you know lean into what what people are saying, and just a quick overview of if someone's hijacking your uh, life group or your uh, workshop, whatever you're you're teaching, to lean into what they're saying, you know maybe put your hand on their shoulder and say a prayer for them and be able to move in to get your workshop back. So that way they haven't kidnapped the entire uh, group there. And um, also when you're, let's just give an example of your leading with leaders and you've said, Hey, I know there's some issues here. You guys wanted to discuss that when people you're calling a meeting together or you're calling a gathering together, 
make sure you, you are leaning in even the nonverbal and having a pen and paper. This is one of my pet peeves is when leaders call you in to discuss things and they just sit there and, and listen, which is great. But I feel like if they're not, if it's not important enough to take notes, then they're not really going to go ha- have some action steps behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And once again, I see them as they're not being proactive. They're mm-hmm. just, they're wasting my time mm-hmm. by even calling us together. How do you really feel about them? <laughs> <laughs> Don't waste time. time. But I know that's so true because, um, we think, Oh, I'll remember that. Or I don't need to, you might be saying that. And it's like, I don't know about you, but my memory is just not that great. And we have so many things, you know, crowding our minds. And it's like to be able to sort through and remember certain things we think we will at the time, but the reality is we, we don't. And so, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, be a note taker on some things because it communicates, even if you don't want to go back to your notes, it communicates the other person. I'm listening. I'm engaged. And, and this matters to me. And so I think that's a, that's a great tip um, when you're doing that. Cause so many people don't, they're just, you know, they're kind of casually listening and um, not really engaged in the moment with you. Mm-hmm. And I think another tip, which you and I have to give each other this tip continuously is when you're, when you're leading, especially if you're new and you're going into a group, many times our brain will go there with what can happen when you think of being, you know, proactive is what we're talking about here. Uh, that you go, ah, you know, I'm really going to mess this up or I don't have the spiritual knowledge to take on this group or I can't believe God, you know, is calling me to do this or so-and-so asked me to do this because I'm just going to be a colossal fail here. Mm -hmm. Instead of asking yourself the right question and literally saying, uh, how am I, you know, going to knock this out of the park? And asking God, okay, God, what I am so grateful that you've given me this opportunity. You've given me this, this voice. What's it going to look like when every single person in this room totally activates and, and you're using me as this vessel to inspire others to go hit it out of the park or whatever your mind that you can tell your mind. And I think doing that self chatter, asking yourself the right questions all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, you know, question asking is a, it's a skill and it's an art that we have lost. And it's asking the, the right, like you said, the right question and then taking the time to listen mm. to the asked, but listen to yourself too. ask the questions and listen to yourself. You know, what is that self-talk mm-hmm. saying within, within that? But, you know, crafting the questions is a good, is a good skill to kind of, you know, develop. Yes. Okay. So, um, are we done with all of our proactive tips here? Cause yeah, I have- I'm totally done. <laughs> I would, tell me a story. I have a story for you that's going to make you laugh because it goes back to last week when we were talking about communication, how the communication can be broken down and how effective communication is everything. That's truly how, you know, you become more successful in life is communicating. Well, so a couple months ago, we did a, a story about Hamid 
And it was just quickly, I had gone to Kansas City for this um, interview process and I had met a gal and found out that she didn't make it into the, the next level. So I had called her and just said, hey, it was so great meeting you. And, you know, I'm so sorry that, we, you know, you didn't go into the next part of this interview process. And she had said to me, oh, you have no idea. This was the hardest week of my life, and yet it was the most blessed that I really saw God. And she went on to share with me how this Uber driver had um, picked her up and basically paid for all of her trips back and forth, as well as took care of quite a bit of her, her hotel bill. And so you laughed because I ended up asking her if I could get this Uber guy's contact number. And I called him because I was like, this guy has got to be a believer. And so through this whole story, um, as I'm talking to him, I was blown away by his story that he had been searching and how it was two o'clock in the morning, his wife went to bed and he was reading through all these different books on religion. And lo and behold, um, he, uh, experienced Jesus. Jesus was right there physically, he said, and gave him a hug. So all of that whole story I had shared in my with my girls that I lead in my, my life group. Well, after the couple months has gone by, last night, Paris was my daughter, was at a Bible study, and that story was shared. But it was me, and I didn't have enough money for you know, to get an Uber driver. And anyway, it was, it was so discombobulated and I know we have to go. It's the end of our show, but I just, I love how it's that whole game of telephone, um, that goes on through communication. So I knew you would appreciate that. I and love stories, when it, especially when it's about you like that. So that was a, that was a great way to end our show with, with on that note with your story. Thanks for listening to girlfriend at radio. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.